0: good morning it is Saturday January 23rd a little after 9 a.m. we uh, meant to get this out earlier Uh, yesterday I'm joined with Frank Karras lead snow ranger at Mount Washington Avalanche Center and as we were about to hit record Frank got a call out for um, a potential burial uh, and left Gully and that was all we knew Frank took off and um, if most of you subscribe to the, the newsletter or, or on social media, you've probably already seen that the, the, the guy made it out, um, he needed to be dug out, but at the same time, uh, huge, huge uh, you know, wake up call incident with the, the avalanche warnings coming out now and with this whole last week, talk about dynamic weather Um, a lot to catch up on and talk about since last, last week seemed pretty boring when we, when we spoke, we knew there was a storm coming in and, um, even that was just, you know.
1: Yeah. Like the normal kind of storm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was the little bit of upsloping we were talking about at the time to look forward to. And, uh, we had no idea it would produce in such quantity all week. It just snowed, um, three to five inches a day, basically. And we ended up with 20 over 22 inches of 24 inches of new snow falling at Hermit Lake over the week. And that was in, you know, two to three inch increments every 12 hours. So, and you guys got, got out to enjoy it. A lot of people did kind of sat at moderate danger rating all day.
0: We, Yeah. We got out there every, you know, the past four days and, um, I think we went in with just the intention of like maybe there'd be some trace snow amounts, but every time we pulled into Pinkham, yeah. totally again elevation up the, the upslope and that ultra light density snow, we'd come in the parking lot and there'd be a few inches, and then we keep going up higher and higher, and to our to our surprise, yeah, it just kept kept building up, and it made it made a huge difference as far as the conditions go, but obviously like up in the bowl and the ravine, um, huge concern with talking about dynamic weather. Um, that's some of the best skiing you can get is when it's that storm skiing before you have these avalanche problems and uh that was definitely fun to keep keep uh tabs on uh, yeah. just keep tabs on the snow and what it was doing yeah. um, over the past few days people needed to bring their A
1: game this week because what we were seeing is that you know the snow was low density and would settle out You know, pretty quickly, there's always a settlement cone when we looked at the um, snow stake, you know, where the snow like kind of gets glued on and it's pointing upwards. So it's that's a sign that the snow at one point was higher and stuck to that tree or snow stake in this case and then settled. But then you would get these intense snow squalls just for a couple hours, a few hours that would go from would take that whatever one or two inches of snow and blow it into these wind slabs that. I know you guys backed off on some stuff and we heard other stories of people who like it was really good from three quarters of the way up left. But then we got to one point near the top and uh, they're shooting cracks, you know, so people were it was a good time to, you know, poke into the terrain cautiously with a strong group and probes and shovels. And uh, it was good to see people taking advantage of
0: that. And when we, we went, we had, you know, we had our goal of just getting out there to take a look. You know, we weren't set on anything. Of course, we'd love to ski ski a few lines top to bottom. And I think it, we backed off a lot this week. I think the the more time you spend up there, the more you, you can realize like how much you don't know about how that snow gets deposited. So many different factors and circumstances that you can try to go up a normal boot pack area, then all of a sudden, the snow feels unfamiliar or it's not what you expected and there's just a lot of red flags out there and i think that um even yesterday we got out and we we were really timid and like you know evaluating everything and being very cautious but even then it's like there's so much new snow out there that um just fell like over the past few days that it's hard to tell you know you can't really tell the full story you don't know what's happened way up high you just you don't like the way that the winds are crossing over the ridge and everything. So I, I, uh, yeah, it's very heads up and, but at the same time it was good to get out and to see it firsthand. Cause you're putting out the reports and this is something I want to talk about is that you have a lot of pressure on yourself to call the reports, right? Because it's going to dictate how people, unfortunately, for better or worse, how people are going to approach the, yeah. the terrain.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I guess let's, t- let's talk about yesterday's incident and like what led up to that. And I think that's a good, I mean, we ha- anytime you have a slide, um, that's human, human triggered. And then uh, especially a burial, it's like a partial burial. Like there's lots of, lots of lessons to be learned. Oh there. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Horrifying feedback. And, you know, to your, I guess your earlier question about the pressure of getting the forecasts right, you know, um, it's really <clears throat> critical and we've always strived to be, um, you know, totally transparent and honest with, um, our data and what leads to our decision and the degree of uncertainty that we might have. And, um, you know, we're bumping up against, um, considerable danger rating, mostly due to the fact that we knew they were going to be triggerable and sensitive, but we continued to think that they were going to be on the smaller side. And I think if people don't recognize that, like, that's a pretty fine hair to split you know um, to trigger something that's small as these guys did is still potentially dangerous and a super dangerous if you don't have the right equipment so we're writing these forecasts we have to assume that people are applying safe travel techniques like that's baseline avalanche awareness level stuff and you know I talk to these guys I'm sympathetic like, the gear is expensive, beacon probes and shovels and stuff, or and it's no fun to buy either. It's not like it's like buying an airbag or seatbelt for your car. Like, who wants to spend money on that? I want to buy a new car, or nice wheels on it, right? Or a new pair of skis. So, um, so sympathetic to that, but by the same token, you know, it gets real up there, and picking your terrain means everything when you have, um, you know, an increased potential for human-triggered avalanches on steeper slopes. Like, what does that tell you? Okay, well, I need to keep it low angle, or I really need to work the terrain to my advantage, and that includes just continual assessments with with where you are, what's over your head. And, um, you know, it's not uh, a—the UAC used to say that they wrote their forecast for— those that have taken a level one avalanche class and everyone that takes a level one avalanche class and certainly course instructors will tell you that level one avalanche information is really just enough to get you by, you know, right? It's just enough so that you can read and understand the forecast. Think about what terrain you should be doing. Basics of rescue, like all those things. And if you don't have even just that at a base level, you're left essentially with just making a decision based on a danger rating alone with very little of the information. So if someone looks at moderate risk and it's yellow, it's like, well, it's really easy to go, I run yellow lights. Like I'm kind of a risk taker, you know, but it's really not the best way to look at it. It's more like you have a moderate chance of being, you know, like say you're in a city you have a moderate chance of being mugged at gunpoint if you walk down an alley. Are you going to do that? Maybe we'll walk down the alley with like your biggest friends who are Navy SEALs, you know?
0: But that's a great way of looking at it. And the other thing that was big is just, again, getting complacency because someone else has skied something during that day. And I yeah. know that a lot of people had skied, probably skied left before they went, even went up there. Oh, yeah. And that's the it thing was, is it was shredded. Yeah. There's tons of, uh, boot pack and that's just showing you the power you know of that debris like of that initial
1: energy and how
0: that can just rip away anything else that's been on that's been skied up and I, I just I you're gonna see that quite a bit where oh there's a boot pack in there it's safe it's, yeah. it's not at all and yeah. especially when we're talking about again the dynamic weather you're looking out there today and it's the winds are you, we were talking about how the winds were going to ramp out ramp up through the day but it seems like they're already on
1: yeah it, it does yeah uh
0: but that just it doesn't take long and frank mentioned that we were up there earlier this week we were we went up and we skied during the storm on left gully on old slab that was really stable from this weekend storm and um but you you're on that fine line where that snow is all soft and fluffy then it doesn't take much for the wind to start affecting yeah. it and loading it and you're watching the density change and then you're starting to see some red flags and we start seeing some propagation or just some of the sloughing and um, yeah that- shooting
1: cracks were prevalent yesterday and i was in that same snow yesterday and it was probably very much like what you guys experienced where you know i was in knee-deep snow in places deeper at the base of you know cliff areas heading up towards sluice ice in a cross right gully and the um the only thing that was reactive was that surface slab and you know just that day's snow um that had rime particles and there were shooting cracks in that and i managed to push you know get some shooting cracks in slabs that were disconcertingly deep but only right at the base of those buttresses you know and i skied out um down through sluice and then over into chicken rock gully carefully trying to trigger stuff in places where I didn't have any overhead hazard. And it really just left me thinking like, yeah, this is moderate, you know, this is, this is moderate danger rating with a manageable, you know, what an expert skier would consider a manageable hazard, right? It's pretty, pretty obvious, right? Where it is because you can see it, you can see it at your ski tips and you can manage it pretty easily because the way it would most likely break, like below your feet maybe a little bit above you but probably more more like just below your feet because it's kind of a light wind slab or storm slab but you know it's not a it's not what we have more routinely which is this harder slab that's stubborn but if you do hit the sweet spot it's going to be huge and you're going to get swept by refrigerator sized blocks of hard slab you know so those, those kind of avalanche problems both carry a moderate danger rating, but for different reasons. So we try to articulate that in our, in our forecast and, um, you know, if we don't, definitely you should, you know, when you're up there, just recognize that there's different, um, different avalanche problems require different strategies to manage in the terrain and they, you know, different sensitivities of slabs will change the way you approach the terrain. Um, Yeah. So it was a, it was a, it was an interesting incident, a powerful incident for those two who were really generous with their time and, and sharing everything that happened. They came into our cabin and we sat down for some tea and swap stories you know I told stories of, of my avalanche involvements and they told me their story and you know um, I noticed this morning on Instagram people were getting on their high horses about how much smarter they are basically which just totally Classic. yeah riles me up and uh, but yeah they're good guys I suspect they're gonna be buying buying the gear pretty soon and taking a class Um, you know beacon probe and shovel and an avalanche class and if anybody sees their gear up there i'm a little concerned it's going to be buried until spring after the wind loading today but uh, just drop it off at the caretaker's cabin or the snow ranger's cabin if we're there we'll get it to them
0: that's good we got to open up the lost and found at hermit lake get a bin going i mean there's so much stuff i know in this shop alone we've got ice axes just littered on the head wall i bet so if you find one uh two poles and
1: some ski atomic shifts or for bindings i can't remember what the skis were but
0: so just about that incident um do you just want to run through i know you you posted about it on instagram but there's people that probably driving listening to this that might want to hear just a quick rundown of what exactly transpired
1: yeah sure um so the weather as was a little bit as we stated you know before um a lot of new snow, knee-deep snow, but mostly just surface slabs were reactive. A lot of skiing activity in the bowl yesterday. I was just commenting not before, not long before that accident to the to the other guys, the newer guys on the staff that today really looked like a day, um, a Saturday in early March five years ago. I mean, there were people all over the place. There were dozens and dozens of people in talks. Some many traveling alone. Right. No, be, you know, some had beacons and were traveling alone, which is, I guess, helpful to some degree. Um, and, uh, you know, avalanche courses and whatnot. So, busy, very low visibility. So, um, you know, it would go in and out from, you know, you could kind of make out across the bowl a couple hundred feet and then it would clamp down and you could see 40 or 50 feet. I did my field work and was heading out and I encountered these two and chatted with them for a bit and suggested some some lower angle terrain, keep it low angle and keep the overhead hazard down. And and then I left um, later to get that call. And apparently what transpired after that was those two who had skied left gully or one of them had skied left gully a few times so far this year um, they headed that direction. They're appreciative of the information I gave them, um, and one of the things I suggested was just skiing the little broccoli forest to the looker's left of Left Gully, but not from the top. Um, so they got up in the terrain, um, up into Left, and were um, just attracted by this new snow that was soft and you know was very compelling, so to speak. So they continued on up past the choke started to get a little bit nervous and we're looking at the kind of steeper terrain on the right. As you top out, lookers, right. They looked to the left towards the rocks and didn't want to go that way. Cause it's, you know, they said it's a rocky place. They didn't want to ski that. Um, so they went just a little further and in the middle, there's, um, still a big rock exposed near the top start mm-hmm. zone, you know, and that's where they posted up to put their skis on. They went where the booter has been this week, which is kind of center punch up the up the exit.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine, because we were up there, and it was corniced up pretty well, and, and just wind slab across that whole looker's right yeah. section.
1: So they didn't go into that, and it was partly due to low visibility. I believe that they decided to turn around there as well. They couldn't really see much of anything, so they ended up in that center part. Uh, that center section almost to the very top. So probably 20 vertical gotcha. feet. So they're right in it. They're in it. They're they're, fully but they're in, in, in it.
0: before it goes, you're right before it goes vertical. So they're right. just kind of re- in that mini bowl that's up there Yeah. before it gets deep. Uh-huh. Gotcha.
1: So they, they post up on that kind of ledge area. The um, skier one puts his skis on. Um, they both got their skis on at that point. Visibility was super low. So, um, as he started, he couldn't see very well. So he just took a big sweeping, cautious turn. And, um, you know, that's, that's when uh, apparently the second guy who is still on the ledge either moved forward and the crack started at his feet. He's sure that he started it. Um, I am, um, thinking he may have, may have started or he may have just contributed to that crack. Uh, It was the skier's load on the wind slab below him that probably really pulled it out. And he, uh, skier two saw the crack form both directions, but with limited visibility. You know, he could only estimate out to about 40 feet of around a six inch slab. So not particularly thick at all. Um, My guess is it probably that crack ran further over into that steep section, Looker's Right, you were talking about, where it's kind of wind drifted and corniced up. And um, that started moving f- under under the skier one's feet. He um, was knocked off his feet, started to tumble. Things went dark. He talked about how um, much pressure was on him, um, like squeezing him, the kind of weight of the flow. So I think he ducked under. Uh, he, he you know he got may tagged. And um, lost all of his equipment, which also makes me think he fully got may tagged, meaning he's like in the turbulent part of the flow getting flipped around. Um, and the debris ran through the choke and all the way around the dog leg and um, pushed him out almost to the floor. So kind of where, you know, the, the tree tube at the bottom that still exists, like where the runout is, mm-hmm. he pushed down into that skier two lost sight of his buddy didn't really know exactly what to do but skied down towards skier one who at this point was buried face first downhill with his legs up kind of behind him so sort of scorpioned. scorpion mode yeah um one hand sounded like one hand was a little bit free and he managed to lift his head up out of the snow and this is the second time he was sure he was going to die because he was sure that his buddy was going to come down and trigger more snow, which would then bury him. He was completely immobilized, even though he could move his head and hand. Everything else was locked up tight more than two feet deep in the snow, in the debris. Skier, skier two skied down um, cautiously, he said, on, on not icy old bed surface, but that, that wind slab that was previous, you know, that kind of firm. It was good skiing, you know, deep around, but but stable. So which further kind of affirms the fact that the snow that was involved in the avalanche was mostly just limited to the new, like yesterday's snow or yesterday's wind slab. So, you know, six-inch range. Um, So he skied down and... Didn't see his buddy. Skied past him somehow in the debris. I guess he wasn't poking out very much. Skier 1 wasn't poking out of the snow very much. So he continued out and um, ran into somebody finally at the rescue cache down at Connection. And um, encountered someone there who then turned around and went down to Hermit Lake to get help. And about that time, I think Pierre, the guy... It just made me an awesome cup of coffee thank you very much Pierre. um was about at connection cash then and he went up um and when he by the time he arrived some other parties i think if that avalanche class was still there i'm guessing it may have been them there's a lot of people around so somebody dug him out saw him and dug him out so
0: wow yeah I mean, that's, and then from the behind the scenes perspective, you were here about to record, we're in Jackson. Yeah. You got in your truck.
1: I didn't mean to burn rubber. Well,
0: Jake was watching you trying to get out and no one would let you out. And he's like, Jake's like, that felt like an eternity. Like we should go out there. And I'm like, he'll be fine. He'll get (laughs) out of here. But you have to drive all the way up to Pinkham, which is at your speed, you're getting up there in 10 minutes. No problem. Hopefully not stuck I, behind too many cars.
1: Yeah. I got stuck behind some uh, for a little bit, but it wasn't yeah. too bad. But
0: then, yeah. And then you're up at Pinkham. You're going to hop in a sled.
1: Yeah. It's an eternity.
0: And it's just, it's a long process. Yeah. Yeah. So then now you're in all the information you have at this point is still partial burial left gully or is that what you, um,
1: no, uh, all I had at the time was, um, bu- no burial, burial. Okay. like a one, one person buried at least is all I had heard and that we hadn't gotten a call back. It was about, I think it was a little over 45 minutes to an hour before we got a call from the Harvard cabin caretaker who happened to be up there, um, at Hermit Lake doing some logistical stuff. And he started up and then found out that the guy was up and out and, and okay. So,
0: yeah. So kind of a, I mean, it's a realistic timeline. It's not yeah. nothing's quick even on like a day no. where people aren't far away oh, you yeah. know for something like that don't, to happen and man
1: you don't want to rely on a snow ranger to rescue you yes. or a caretaker like it's not good
0: good good lesson to be learned um, I think uh, yeah I mean these little storms add up I think you guys nailed the avalanche forecast I think anyone reading the forecast needs, needs to know that like you're in avalanche terrain there's potential for skier human triggered avalanches that like you need to be on it because you are the problem right like yeah, you are totally. what, what are going to be the problem for yourself or someone else below you um yeah.
1: 90 90 of people caught and carried in avalanches um trigger it themselves mm-hmm. yeah
0: so i don't know i know you got to go this weekend what else do you want to get out before um And you know, this weekend the weather does not look excellent. And we were talking about the wind being a huge problem with wind loading and wind slabs. And you sent out, there's like a warning warning email that's, yeah. uh, And one of our other shop employees was talking about all black and whatever. He's like, Have you seen this before? And I was like, No, what's this? And that's our version of a signal flare. (laughs) Right. It's the little Alexa ring that's yellow. That's like the the National Weather Service warning, Um, which is great that people are talking about it and very heads up on like, this is like, yeah, high danger.
1: Yeah, and the, the main danger, you know, is the, then is the wind. Um, we're not getting a whole lot more snow, but maybe a little bit more today. That's going to contribute to this. But we're getting the highest wind speeds that we've recorded all week. Um, so all that snow that we're enjoying, that was you know lightly wind affected, um, is sitting up in the Alpine Garden nooked in behind bushes and drifts and just laying there. And uh, so if you can imagine, like, I don't know, I've never been to the Mall of America in the Midwest. I'm guessing it's got a huge parking lot. And uh, whatever that acreage is, probably roughly what we have in the Alpine Garden with available snowfall. So just think about the Lows near you or Home Depot when they plow that up with just a six-inch storm. Like, it's a tremendous amount of snow. And uh, multiply that times the surface area in our fetch, and that's what's going to end up in Gulf Slides, Tuckerman Ravine, and to some extent Huntington. So between the cold and the wind, it's going to be just ridiculously unpleasant anyway. Um, I think the snow is going to blow down into the onto the Sherburn and the ski trails pretty well, though. So there is that alternative. If you've committed to coming up here, um, you've got that option Um it's obviously going to start getting wind affected today too, but probably pretty good through the, most of the daylight hours.
0: Absolutely, the, those skis, the the Gulfside ski trail, the Sherburn sure they're skiing really well right now. Yeah, um, I, I imagine you're going to get up to any kind of exposed area like Hermit Lake and want to turn around anyway. It's yeah. not fun. It's no. not fun being in those conditions.
1: No, no, it's hard to. It's just hard to deal with anything getting um blasted by that kind of cold wind and a buff just is not enough you need like a heated face mask on a day like today which they don't make that i know of
0: so yeah thanks for sharing all that it's really you know getting these getting these accounts straight from the source um or secondhand you know it means a lot to to get that out to everyone what um anything else we want to talk about before uh you take off
1: i think the main thing is just uh Pass along that forecast. Sign up for our forecast on your phone. I think you might find that helpful to be able to scroll through it. Um, you know, and scroll scroll through it if you if you arrive in the terrain and you want to read it at some point. Um, I think calibrating to the forecast at the end of the day is something we do. We review it and we're like, huh, where were we? Where where were we off a little bit, or were we dead on? You know. that's helpful and it's helpful for users too to know you know that we don't always nail it so you really do need to to some extent look at well you need to do a lot of your own forecasting on the ground when you're there and heating those red flags and going into the terrain on a day like yesterday it's it's where the best snow is but it's exactly why you need to have all the gear the proper equipment Proper headspace and, and avalanche uh, training um, behind you. Um, it is the real deal, and just a little slab can kill you. It's really remarkable. And, uh, you know, these slabs that are going to come today and tomorrow are going to run way out on the floor. So, going up to look around, you know, it's just good practice to stay out of the floor of the ravine. I mean, you'll see us doing that, like even this week. I take a hard ride as soon as I get into the floor, leave the existing skin track and wind my way through the bushes. I've seen too many natural avalanches that are way bigger than you think they're going to be hit that floor and um, it's a way you can just reduce your risk to zero from being hit by a natural and it doesn't cost you anything. It's nice actually, the snow's nice up in the bushes. so. Um and the bushwhacking's not hard at all.
0: Well, we finally have the snow for the skin tracks to we'll be able to put something in. Yeah. You couldn't say that a week ago.
1: And uh one other thing to um is there'll probably be the snow cat running today. So if you see that, um it's really good to just everybody get on one side of the trail for us. Um it is uh there's very little clearance and I think people don't realize how big and heavy and unwieldy that machine is like you're driving it on loose snow and
0: i was going to say something how narrow the the trt's been so this is good spread it (laughs) out we need to get that thing groomed
1: totally well i'll do my best to fill water bars for you oh thanks yeah all
0: right frank appreciate you stopping in making time for this uh this will this will get out this morning and uh yeah we'll touch base next week
1: absolutely thanks andrew